you know, I sometimes wish that God had graced me with the ability to play the drums like that. <laughs> you know, that's why I think drums are a holy instrument because it takes it takes three things, right? I, I mean, you've got hi hat, mm-hmm. left hand, right hand, snare is left usually, hi hat's right, and your foot. I mean, it's the, it's a tr- it's a trinity of body movements. Yeah. Plus, it's holy, you know. And but now, now I'm trying to think which which piece would be which part of the trinity. Mm. Would the bass drum be God the Father? Yeah, obviously the foundation. Yes, right. Yeah. So I think then the snare would have to be Jesus because that's the. It's a proclamation, right? Boom, yeah. boom. And then the Holy Spirit is that dressing yeah. on that high. It is because it's and it's and it's a little. It's it sometimes gets squirrely, you know. And that's the <laughs> normally what happens is that that hi hat gets a little under out of control sometimes, you know. Yeah. That Holy Spirit will lead, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, I've got to walk in the spirit. That's right. <laughs> got to walk in the spirit. Got to got to play in the. Spirit. That's right, but it's it's you know I want to just remind you that you know for some are teachers and some are preachers and some evangelists and some shepherds, you know God doesn't always grace us with everything we want, you know. No, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but you are in the rhythm section. You you are a bass. You know, bass is drums with two things. One, two. You just that third one throws you. You know. Yeah. No, I think it's really the bass is so incredibly important. Right. And that's why. God doesn't allow us to get any love is because it's too important for us to get high minded about. (laughs) You don't, he just wants you to get a big head. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No arrogance here. All right. (laughs) All right. Well, here we are again. We've made it. We're in this room again. Still. Still. And, uh, and we're going to be talking today about grace. Grace. Um, Not drums. Not drums. Grace. 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 So give us some grace. (laughs) For all of our conversations about drums, <laughs> right? Uh, so let's just let's just dive in. Sure. Uh, what is grace? Can you define it? It's a prayer before you eat, usually. It's, yeah. Somebody say grace. <laughs> yeah. God is good. God is great. great. Yeah. Thank you. Then let's thank Him for your food. Amen. Now Carly says it should be your plate. God is good. God is great. Let us thank Him for our plate. Yeah. So instead of God is great, God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But that's what my family's always done. Who knows if it's right? Who knows if it's wrong? Give us a little grace there. But yeah. Yeah. That's what grace is. It's usually just a prayer you have before you eat. Right. Right. Exactly. Show over. Uh, <laughs> No, yeah, praying praying before a meal. That's another podcast. How did that how did that become grace? That's what I think that's a question I actually really want to know. It's like when did people start calling that Mm. prayer grace? Okay, so you would you'd have to say grace, right? Right. Say grace. Right. And so if you think about it, what's supposed to be happening in the prayer before the before you eat? It's gratefulness and thankfulness for the gift that God has given you. Hmm, okay. Right? Now, if we talk about what grace is, like, the Ox, uh, Oxford defines grace as the free and unmerited favor of God as manifest, manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. So sure. when you're saying grace, you're thanking God for what he's provided. Provided for the gift that he's given the you. The gift that he's sure. given you. You know, even if, even if you went out and hunted that food or fished for that fish and then cooked it all on your own. Sure. Like the person who trusts in God understands that that fish wouldn't have been there to catch if not for God. Right. That, right. You know, whatever you. That, that you even have the skills to, you know, right. catch that fish. Yeah. Exactly. God gave, gave us everything and not because, and this is the key part of grace. 
not because we did something to earn it. There was nothing right. that I did to supernaturally hmm. stock that pond with the trout. You know what right, I mean? Right, like right, the, right, sure. Nothing I did did that. It was unmerited. Hmm. So when mm. we talk about grace, we're talking about God's unmerited favor, mm-hmm. um, and primarily we don't talk about it in a sense of eating. Yeah, yeah, that's dinner. what I, that's what I'm saying. Like when you think yeah. of grace, very rarely does your mind ever go to a prayer before yeah. you eat. You know, <laughs> but yeah, what we're really talking about is salvation. Right, right, right. right. Like the we we've said before, you are saved by grace, grace, right, through faith, right, right. Um, now, if we look in the New Testament, the word for grace is, the, the Greek word for grace is charis. Mm-hmm. And this means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, or loveliness, goodwill, loving kindness, or favor. Right. Right. So again, we can see how that translation and how that um, kind of informs our conversation about what grace is. Right. You know, again, this is God's favor. So when we say grace, when we're talking about grace... Uh, what we're saying is that you can't earn it. Right. So you cannot earn salvation. Mm-hmm. So grace has to exist. So the law doesn't um, the law doesn't tell you how to earn righteousness. Right. It reveals that you can't. Right. A hundred percent. Right. And making God's and it makes God's grace necessary for salvation. Right. We see this over and over again in Paul and Peter's writings right. and, and all through the New Testament that. The law reveals sin. It doesn't redeem you from sin. Right, right. right. Because it's, because if you are a sinner, and we all are, um, the law is impossible to live into. Yeah. Because somewhere you're going to sin, right? You're going to fall short. You're going to fail. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we require somebody to step in on our behalf. Right. The act of God stepping in on our behalf, that is attributed as grace. Grace. Right. 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 So... Let's read a couple of scriptures. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna run through these. Stop me if any of these like, sure. like oh Holy Spirit, I need to talk about that one. Um, Ephesians two verses eight through ten says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, mm-hmm. and this is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Mm-hmm. So again, I think this really shows why we're saved by grace is that we won't be able to boast that we were, a- that we were able to do it on our own. Right. Well, I think it's also important to understand, like, especially when it comes to salvation, like God's grace, his favor is for everybody. Yes. Right. So, so you can't say like, I mean, and I don't want to get into this necessarily, but we kind of are in some ways. It's like, it's that idea of like predestination and Calvinism, right? Like that idea of like, does God play favorites? You know what I mean? Right. And so the Bible tells us that God's grace is for everything. You can't earn his grace. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's, um, what was it too? We, we talked about when me, you and Tommy sat down we talked about uh, some of the parables, right, 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 and we talked about the parable of the uh, of the wedding feast. One of the things we called out was like there will be like, God is called both the good and the, the evil, evil person, right, sure, right, and they both showed up, sure, most right? certainly. Like, again, this is this is what we're talking about, right, with grace is that it's equally it's equally um, effective for both the person who has tried to live a righteous life as well as the person who has not, right, as long as they're willing to accept it, right, because if if God is just, if God is fair. 
Right. That has to be an even keel. And so grace is an even keel, especially when it comes to salvation. And it's weird that you would use those terms, though, because I think a lot of people would look at that and say, that's not fair. Right. Because I did more. Right. But that's where it gets us into this verse here, is it's like, you did more. Yeah, you did. Right? No, God did once and for all. Right. Right? Jesus did once and for all, and and that covers everything. Right. And the argument is, you did more, but you still didn't do enough. Exactly. <laughs> you know, that's why you can't earn God's... Like, if, you wanted to, if you wanted to do grace and say it's earned, good luck. It's like being the top scorer on a losing team. Right. It's like, well, I was the best guy out on the field today. Yes, yeah, like, right. but you didn't make it through the playoffs. <laughs> right. You right. didn't achieve any of the team's goals. Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, okay. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Romans 5, verses 20 through 21. The law came in so that the offense would increase. Mm-hmm. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, Mm -hmm. so that as sin reigned in death, so also grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ, or through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Let's see, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. Because of the extraordinary greatness of the revelations, for this reason... To keep me from exalting myself, (laughs) there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. To keep me from exalting myself concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Mm -hmm. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in distresses, in persecutions, in difficulties on behalf of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Mm-hmm. So I think when you read that verse in context, and, and help me out with this, because maybe you have a different understanding, and, sure. and I don't want to lead anybody. But oftentimes I think... When I was younger, when we would hear that, I would hear this about the thorn in his side. Right. I've often I've often heard a lot of people equate that to, you know, that he had like a secret sin. Sure, sure. Or that like he had a temptation, sure. like a sinful temptation. Sure. So it wasn't even that he gave into it, but he was constantly tempted to do something sinful. Sure. But when you read further down, where Jesus steps in and says, "My grace is sufficient for you." Mm-hmm. Um, for power is perfected in weakness. Mm-hmm. He then starts talking about how he boasts in his weaknesses. Right. And he talks about uh, being insulted, distressed, persecuted mm-hmm. on behalf of Christ. Right. He's not talking about sin. Right. He's talking about being up against people in places of power and authority mm-hmm. that are telling him to stop doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? Right. And it's and it it's you have to also contextualize that verse. Paul has a really unique, Paul is not any of the disciples. He's right. educated. He's, by all accounts, comes from wealthy people. You know what I mean? Like What, what is Zinger on the disciples? Right. Paul's not one of the disciples. He's <laughs> educated. educated. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, but I mean, like, but Paul, I, I think one of the things that, one of the things that Paul says that I love about this verse is he understands that what is persecuting him, whatever is actually saving him. It's, 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 it's helping him be put it, it, here's a here's here let me put it this way there are a lot of pastors who 
pray for a bigger church. And I, I hope that this comes across the way I mean it to come across. There's a lot of pastors who pray for a bigger church uh -huh. um, or, or more, you know, whatever. I used to, I, I used to pray for that, but then I stopped praying for it because I realized part of the reason why I wanted a bigger church was because it was about me. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of things that we pray for and we want that God says, that's not good for you. Right. That's that you don't want that. Like Paul, you you think that you want everybody in Corinth to just bend over backwards for you. And you think, you know, that that this church you want you want that authority, you want that name, you want but Paul, that's that, 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 that's gonna drive you further away from me. My grace is is all all you need is me. You don't need their affirmation. You don't need their and I think that a lot of times God takes bad things he doesn't he's not the author of bad things he's the author of only good things um but he takes bad things and he says i'm going to use that for your benefit i'm going to and so i love that verse because that verse the benefit is if you just rely on me paul if you stop worrying about all that other stuff yeah because he asked three times which i think is funny paul's like take this from me take this like and i imagine like if it is if it's people like god take that that thorn out of my side in Corinth, that woman or that man who keeps, you know, who I have to keep writing these letters to take that person out of my life. If you look at that and and he says, no, no, it's better that they're there yeah, because they're teaching you something, Paul. And Paul's like, oh, I stopped praying. Like now I pray maybe differently, you know? And so I, I love that verse because the whole moral of the verse is Jesus says, I'm all you need, Paul. Yeah. That's it. Just trust me, buddy. It was interesting. Something you said in there just now was about like, caring about what other people are saying and how they're persecuting you. Sure. You know, like we want to boast in the idea that we have earned the favor of others. A hundred percent. And God's response to that is <laughs> yeah. boast that you have my favor. Right. Which you would never in a million years be able to earn. Exactly. Right. Right. And like, again, so this is, this mm -hmm. is grace. Um, this is the sufficiency of his grace. And so like in these moments where right. we're tested and we're being sharpened and we're being, because right. that's the best way to look at it. We're right. being refined and right. sharpened and, and hundred uh, percent sanded and all of those things that make us into it, that as the word says here, we're being perfected right. by Christ. Um, and through these things, when we want to quit, right. It is God's grace that sustains us. A hundred percent. That's why Paul says in Ephesians, like, I can do all things in Christ. You know, like, right. that's, that, that's that idea of, like, is it Ephesians or is it Philippians? I might have gotten it wrong. Uh, see, now I'm second-guessing myself. It's Philippians. Philippians, okay. Yeah. Um, I knew it was an ends at the end. <laughs> They're all ends. Well, I remember Tommy and I talked about it, and we've talked that's about what, Philippians, yeah. not Ephesians. Yeah, that's, so that's, that's <laughs> a Philippians. Yeah, and so, you know, it, that's why he says that. And I, and I think that, like you just said, like, that is that is the pinnacle of our lives, right? And I, I imagine even Paul and his, because we see this, Paul constantly is like the lesser of the disciples, right? Like he's the one who's got to prove to the apostles, like, I'm one of you guys, you know, like, it, was that his thorn that he had like own godly men who were like, no, you know, you know what I mean? It couldn't have been. Sure. Cause he, cause he talks about that in Galatians and like, he goes out of his way to say, I don't care about the apostles. <laughs> right, right. Right. He's like, he they does, didn't, yeah. they didn't yeah. justify me. Like they didn't give me this to preach. Right. I preached it on my own oh. for 14 years. Right. And then I came and talked to them about what I'd been teaching. They're like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Right. Keep doing it. <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. like, yeah, we're, yeah. we're on the same page. That's great. Uh, you know, so like, so like he definitely, he talked about himself as being the lesser, the less of the apostles. Right. Because he didn't 
get to walk with, with Jesus a hundred percent. But when you look at what he accomplished for the kingdom, and I don't want to take anything away from any of the disciples. A hundred percent. He wrote more of the new Testament than any of them did. He started more of the churches than any of right? them. Right. Yeah. You know, so like, it's funny with it to talk about him as the lesser as possible, but you look at that and you say in those weaknesses, him looking at it and saying, I was the weakest. I was the lessest. Right. I was, and here is God using him for the greatest return. Right. You right. Know? And not for the return of Paul, but for the return of the kingdom. And I think that that shows you. So let's just put this in the grace and law, right? So when, when you, the, the best you can do with the law is follow the law. The best you can do with grace is exceed it. You see what I mean? Like, and I think that there's, I think that there's something here interesting with just what Paul said. It's like Paul exceeded all of his expectations, everything by pointing himself back to Jesus by saying your grace is enough. You, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you know, that Philippian text. And so, so I mean, just uh, th- again, grace is not earned, right? It's given. It's given. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So Hebrews four verses 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. Mm-hmm. Right. So again, we see this grace is given by God mm-hmm. from a place of power from His throne. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, He is He is the one that's accomplished everything we cannot accomplish. Right. So our need is help. Our need is taken care of through His grace. Right. Right. All right. John one fourteen through eighteen, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm-hmm. John testified about him and called out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who is coming after me has proved to be my superior because he existed before me. Mm. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. <laughs> For the law, has, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. No one has seen God at any time. God, the only Son who is in the arms of the Father, He has explained Him. Right. This is a really really powerful man. I love the way John talks about the divinity of Christ. Sure. Uh, But like that that last bit there, the law was given through Moses, Uh through Moses, but grace and truth were realized. Through Jesus, and this kind of right. takes me to Jesus saying He came to fulfill the, the law. law, right? And it's only through His grace that we get that. Right. I love that. That's how He defines Jesus. Right. The Son of God is grace and truth. Yeah. Like those are the two attributes of Christ: is yeah. truth and grace. Like absolutely. You know, and not only just in in the idea of He is grace, right? He is our grace, but like that's what He's teaching us: is grace and truth. You know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and through him, we have received grace upon grace. Right. Double grace. Double grace. <laughs> double portion. <laughs> That's right? a double portion. That's right. <laughs> All right. So why don't we talk a little bit here? So those are some great verses about the grace of Christ and the grace uh, that God provides us. As believers, what should our attitude be about grace? Because I think this is where the discussion comes in. I think I've shared this here right. before. Um, you know, I was a part of a church once where we were talking as an eldership team about 
preaching on grace. Sure. And there were some people in the church that were like, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. Because people, if we teach them about grace, they will feel they are licensed to sin. Right. 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 Um, And so, like, you know, being charitable to that mindset, understanding that it is kind of rooted in a level of legalism, it's still coming from a place of not wanting people to sin, right? There's, like, these weren't malicious. Right. This wasn't a malicious thing, but it definitely was a misunderstanding. Sure. Of grace, and also we have to give people the opportunity, right, to make their own decisions, right, um, and just teach the gospel. Well, I think I think that the the danger of grace is twofold, and I, I mean this in a in the way I've said it. The danger because grace can be dangerous if it's if it's not God's grace, yeah, right. You know what I mean? And I think that that's where a lot of churches struggle because if you overgrace it, you know, you give, so th- I think about grace and a lot of words that I, when I think about grace, I think about um, forgiveness. I think about um, this, this is a, a trigger word for some Christians, like empathy, understanding, sympathy, you know, those ideas, um, you know, like I think God's grace for he, he, he became human. Yeah. He felt what we felt. Yeah. You know, and 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 so there I see many times where Jesus's heart breaks in scripture and the grace he gives them. Like Peter is a prime example. Like mm-hmm. you see you see do you love me? Do you love me? You know, it's that agape, it's agape and then he says do you phileo? You know, do you do you yeah. do you is that and his, you can see the heartbreak that Jesus feels there. He doesn't condemn Peter. He meets Peter, you know, and I think that that's so, so that's a great thing. Those, that's all, that's God's grace. He's teaching us. But I think sometimes we take it to the extent of acceptance. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, so we, we, we take forgiveness to the idea like Jesus. I, I love one of my favorite passages is the woman that's caught in adultery. Um, first off, where's the man? He should be on trial, but he's not. And Jesus, I think sees right through him. There's an argument that one of them was the guy and they were like, let's just kill her. So we don't have to answer for it, you know? Right. Um, but Jesus sees right through it and says, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. Like, but here's what he tells the woman. And we've said this before, go, go therefore and sin no more. Like he calls sin out. Like Jesus yeah. gives us great. He saves that woman's life. Literally saves the woman's life to where they all drop their stones and walk away but yet he still calls the sin out so i think that you know so there's there's that's the that's if grace if grace is not god's grace um it can embrace people in their sin and say yeah that's you know like for example like yeah you're you know you're doing this you're living in sin i know you're living in sin you know you're living in sin but i'm going to give you grace to continue to sin and then there's the opposite which is the other side which is the legalistic side right that mm-hmm. that if it's not god's grace it can be it, it can be the um well we don't want that so we're not going to embrace the forgiveness we're not going to embrace, you know, we're going to, we're going to, the thing I think about legalism is, which is funny is it's the speck in your brother's eye and the log in your eye mentality, yeah. you know? And so, so I find in churches that same thing, like, it's funny you say that, like that, that people are, are scared to talk about grace because they don't want to empower people to sin. Right. But some of them are also scared to talk about grace because they don't want to empower them to have to forgive. Oh, I think that could be that could definitely be part of it. I think there, you know, I've told you about the the uh, the teacher that I had that was like, you don't have to forgive people if they're not willing to repent. Right. That you could that you only forgive people who repent, and I was like, that's the backwards way of looking at it. <laughs> right, that's right, the legalistic right, way. That's of legally at sure because it's a transactional. Right. You repent, I give you forgiveness. Right. What Jesus says is, I give you forgiveness, 
but you only receive it through repentance. Repentance, right? right. Like it's it's the gift of forgiveness that inspires the repentance. One hundred percent, and that's what grace is supposed to be about. Right now, I think you know a lot of things you just talked about there. I think that is a, a societal issue we have today. Uh, I think okay, when you were a child, mm-hmm. did you ever have an experience where you know you messed up? And your parents are telling you, you messed up. Right. And like, you know, it's coming. Right. Oh, hundred percent. That was my whole life. And then, (laughs) and then your parents say, we're not going to punish you. Right. Like, because it's clear to us that you understand it. Right. You know? And so, uh, and like, and the, the penalty might be too severe. Sure. Sure. I feel like as a society, we approach most things that way now. Like, well, it, we now know that this was a bad idea. Right. Don't make me pay the penalty for it. Right. But then there's no effort to correct the course that led you to these terrible mistakes. Right. Right? Like, the- well, we have to be careful too, because I think in our world today, it's 100%. You're, I think you're spot on. Like, here's what I think we, we, don't want the accountability of consequence, right? So there's right. penalties and then there's consequence. So I like to think penalties are above and beyond the consequences. So for yeah. example, um, let me, I, I'd use it, I'll use an example like, um, here, here's a good example, actually. Uh, I remember when I was little, uh, you can even ask my parents, I stole an eraser. I don't know why there was an eraser, but I had an, there was a, a Molly Brown firework stand, and I'll tell you exactly where it was. It was in um, uh, Valley Park, like down by where they used to have that water slide. And I, I, I mean, it's ingrained in my mind. Uh, I don't remember how old I was, clearly enough to remember, but I stole an eraser. Why there was an eraser, I don't know. I stole it. I got in the car. I knew what I did was wrong. I mean, I knew what I did was wrong. I don't even know why I did it. I just did it. I got in the car immediately. I knew what I had done was wrong. And and I had it in my pocket and I took it out of my pocket. So I could have gotten away with it, but I had it in my pocket and I had my hand. My mom goes, where'd you get that eraser? I was like, uh, and they're like, did you, did you steal that? And I was like, yes, I did. And I mean, immediately, like I'm, I was kind of, I'm, as a kid, I was guilty. As a teen, I was like, bring it on, you know? Uh, and so at, at this point in time, I felt guilty. And 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 so- I see you as a teen being like, yeah. nobody has property rights. Yeah, I can't right. steal it. That's either. right, no. <laughs> they let me take it. Uh, you know, and so so uh, I had this in my pocket the whole time. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so, but I didn't. I felt guilty and I was like, yeah, and I began to cry. And they were, my dad has always been, for better or for worse, he's always been that kind of guy that's like, let's sit down and talk about it. And like, we're going to talk this through. And so he, he asked me the philosopher's question, why, right? Why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, do you understand like why we can't like, and so we broke it down and my answers were sufficient, uh-huh. but I st- still had a consequence. And the consequence was this, I had to take it back and I had to give it to them. I just didn't get to go put it back in the bin. I had to take it back and tell them and, and, that, but that was it. I, they didn't ground me. They didn't, you know, like that was the consequence was sufficient after the yeah. conversation. And I think that this is what we, what we struggle with, with grace is there are consequences to our actions, right? We still have to answer for those consequences. There is no penalty with grace because God right. paid the penalty. Absolutely. I think that's great. You see what I mean? I do see. Yeah. I do see what you mean. Yeah. Um, I think that is great. But like, I think, you know, we do stuff like that because we know it's wrong. Right. But we want to feel it. A hundred percent. And and almost as if we don't feel bad about it, we'll know it wasn't wrong. Right. You know? Or or we can trick ourselves into saying, see, it wasn't as bad as we thought. 
Right. Or I could manage to get away with this. Like, and, and I don't want to get political, but like, that's like some of there's, there's politics out there that are like, if you just take from people who have earned and whatever, like, you, you know, I, and I'm not talking communism or socialism, but I'm talking like there are ideas that like you can steal. Stealing's fine. Like, like that's how we justify it. Right. Like ex- I needed it more than you did. It's excusable because of your circumstance. Right. You know, and I think that's, 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 an, we're getting to another podcast. Yeah. Another time. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, there, it lends it to this, you know, we used to say that admitting you have a problem is the first step to recovery. Sure. A lot of people have run with that. And now when somebody admits they have a problem, it's really their first step to justifying their actions. Exactly right. right? Yeah. But that's uh, not how grace works. That's not how grace works. Right. That's grace for self. We talked a little right. bit a couple episodes back about how people have, have put love for yourself at the top of the 100%, list. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's really what they're doing here. Right. With their liberty is they're putting grace for themselves at the top right. of the list. Right. All right. So... Our attitude about grace, let's get to some scriptures here. Sure. Hebrews 10, 26 through 31 says this. For if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, Mm -hmm. but a terrifying expectation of judgment (laughs) and the fury of a fire which will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has ignored the law of Moses is put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severe punishment do you think he will deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has regarded (laughs) as unclean the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has insulted the Spirit of grace? Mm. For we know him who had who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. <laughs> yeah. Okay, these are this is our brutal This is our know, metal verse. This is our day. metal verse <laughs> for the day. Right? Like and that sounds like man, that sounds like somebody who doesn't understand what he's talking about sure. here. What the author's talking about here, possibly Paul in Hebrews. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, possibly. I, that's who I tend to go with, yeah. Uh, um, looks at this and is like, wow, that's awful. Why, this can't be a loving God. Right. But try to understand what he's, what he's referencing here. Right. What he's saying is that if you understand the grace of God, right. that it is an unmerited gift that is a sacrifice for your sins right. and covers your sins, and you use that mm-hmm. to insult the that spirit of grace right. by continuing to do that thing or right. to justify doing that thing right. or how about saying that that thing isn't actually wrong right 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 you are rejecting christ right. and you're doing it from a place of having met christ and this right. is something that comes up in second uh, peter talk where Peter talks about how it would be better right. that somebody never hear the gospel than hear it right and then reject it. Right, 100%. Right? Um, so like this is this is what we're talking about in Hebrews and like God God will repay. Right. The second you tell him you don't need his grace. Right. You put yourself <laughs> under his judgment. Right, 100%. And that should be a terrifying thing. Well, and and Bonhoeffer talks a little bit Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about like cheap grace and his idea of cheap grace is based basically off of this text right here is it's the idea that there's a lot of Christian who recognize who Christ is, but they don't, they don't do any, like they don't respond to his grace. You know what I mean? Right. They don't respond in any way. They just cheapen it. 
They, they, they continue living their lives with the knowledge and the idea that, that he will forgive them. Right. But, but the brutal part of this verse is, oh no, it's, it's way worse than you think. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, like, and, and I love, I, I love, I love how it, I love just how that verse particularly ends. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Like, right. You know, it was, it, I get this picture in my head. Like you say, you and you're young, you're a young person and you and a friend are like yeah. hanging out outside and your mom brings you out a tray of sandwiches and, mm-hmm. and lemonades mm-hmm. and you stand up and go F that yeah, and, right. <laughs> and flip the tray over. And then the mom, your mom goes back inside and, just, and your friend's like, what are you doing? It's like, she loves me. She'll make us more. Right. That's what a hundred percent. That's what you're doing. Oh, for sure. When God brings you his grace and then you're like, I can, I can. Ignore his grace, right? Because his grace will continue, right? But it goes back to the idea of, of forgiveness and repentance, right? Repentance is a turning, right? It's, yes. a, it's a changing, and we always teach Carly and I always teach our kids like, don't just say you're sorry, show you're sorry, yeah. And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean like make it up to me, you know. What, what saying saying you're sorry and, and showing you're sorry means do do better next time, do differently. The yeah. definition of make insane, a change, the right? Definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Exactly right. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Back to scripture, Romans 6, 1 through 5. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? (laughs) Far from it. How shall we who die to sin still live in it? Mm -hmm. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Mm-hmm. Right? So continuing in our sin, once we know what it wrought and what Jesus did, is to abuse the grace of God. Right. Right? I love the argument that he makes there, which is really funny. He's, he says, like, um, are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Right. The idea that you can that God's grace God's grace needs increasing is absurd, right? That's what he's pointing out. It's like, oh, so you think God's grace isn't sufficient enough? Like it's not good enough? He's like, right. so you think if you're worse, you can make His grace better? Like, no, God's grace is already perfect, right? What's it worse? Because I think this follows his his statement where sin abound, grace abound more. Right. His point wasn't that with more sin came more grace. Right. His point was that every sin was covered, covered. by the grace. It's sufficient. It's right. enough. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think what I love about this too, though, is what he says here is, um, you know, what he's saying here is that if you have received God's grace, right. you are a new creation. A hundred percent. Right. Right. That do you not know that a new creation behaves differently than what you were? Right. What you were in sin is not what you are in grace, which means you should no longer act like you did when you were in sin. Grace, grace, I think, leads to gratefulness, right? Like when you when you fully understand, like I think that's my my own personal life. When I fully understand God's God's grace in my life, even the even if if you want to talk about you know Wesleyan ideas like the prevenient grace, like the grace that I didn't even recognize, right? There was a lot of my life where God was doing things in my life and loving me and showing me He was there, even though I wasn't looking. But as I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, like when when you when you understand that there's the only real response is new like yeah. you want you want to change everything about your life you know what i mean like when you understand god's grace you're like how can i be 
better for you. Like how, yeah. what, what, you know, like that's love, right? That's, that's true. That's appreciation. There's all those things, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I, yeah, I think that's, if you continue sitting, you're, 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 you're just saying like, oh yeah, God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard the expression, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission? hundred percent. So I think this is a worldly view of grace. Right. Right. Um, God will forgive me. So rather than ask for permission, I don't need to ask for permission to do mm-hmm. something. I'm just going to do what I do. Right. And then I'll ask for forgiveness later. Right. And I think what we need to understand is that grace is the wisdom to ask for, ask what is permitted. Mm-hmm. Then it's the power to refuse what isn't. Right. And it's the humility to receive forgiveness when we get it wrong. That's good. Like grace is not an excuse. <laughs> it's an empowerment. Right. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. It, I think the idea that, you know, I'll, I, I'd rather ask for forgiveness than permission operates under the understanding that you'll be forgiven. Yeah. And I think that there is a moment in life where that's impossible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you, you, you see what I'm saying? Like, well, and I'm not talking about like God will never, for, but like you will face judgment. Yes. Well, think about this though. It, because it becomes impossible because it's the mindset in which you live in, which means you haven't turned. You haven't. That's what I mean. Ex- exactly. But think about it in this sense. Somebody who says, I would rather ask forgiveness than permission is saying that I shouldn't need forgiveness for the thing that I want. To sure. Do, sure. Right. Like I'm, I, it's like a subconscious denial of the yeah, truth. You're not going to permit me to do it. So I'm going to do it anyway and let you have to forgive me. Right. Because it's the thing that I want to do. It's the good thing that I want to do. It's mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing. Well, and how many Christians do you think, you know, and I'm just asking this, you know, theoretically, how many Christians do you think like do that? I'm sure a lot. Like I'm going to justify my sin by saying I'm never going to confront it head on, you know, whether it be uh, addiction issues or lust issues or whatever, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to confront it. Like God's going to forgive me of this. Okay. But that's not repentance. Repentance confronts it. Well, if you've, if you've ever seen or talked to people who have left the faith because they struggle with something that's considered sinful, right? The number one thing they always do in my experience, right? Is they point at other sins that they know other Christians. Oh, a hundred percent. Sure. Right. Like they never face head on whether or not what they're doing is sin. They justify their behavior based on the sins of others. Right. But it's like, just because someone else has done something that is wrong does not mean it's okay for you to do something that is wrong. Right. And I actually heard this great, um, uh, I was listening to a Frank Turk conversation uh-huh. and it was, this was, I think it was Frank Turk. Um, and somebody was making the comment, um, so this this guy says, you know, my son came out as gay mm-hmm. and he said, you know, like, well, look, if me and my partner mm-hmm. engage in homosexuality once a week or the act of homosexuality. Right, right, right. Sure, sure. He's like, 30, according to George Barna, 33% of all pastors struggle mm-hmm. with pornography. Right. Right. He said, so what's the difference of me doing this once a week to them doing that once a week? Right, right. And... And Frank's response was uh, really good. Um, he he first made the comment of, they're the same. Right. He said, it's the same thing. You know, these pictures are the same. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's the same thing. They're, right. One is not worse. One is not better. They're both sin. He goes, right. but here's the difference. The pastor is not getting up on Sunday morning telling you that what he's doing is good. Sure. He lives in guilt and shame and condemnation. Right. Knowing that what he's doing is wrong. Right. Right. So right. that guy 
there is hope for his sanctification. Sure, sure. But the son right. is saying, because you're a sinner, I should be allowed to celebrate my sin. Right. Well, that's what I think a lot of people, like, sin is sin. That's right. They're all sins. Right. But they're all sin. Sin is sin they're is sin. You know, sin. they're still yeah. sin. And so I think that that's where the, the dangerous part is, if if you ever make it to a point to where... <laughs> what a response to love is love is love. Right. Sin is sin is sin. Yeah, sin is sin is sin. <laughs> you know, and, but, but that's the, it's the truth. I think if, if we as Christians, that's how we, that's how we, you want to talk about, like, uh, knowing your salvation and knowing if, not, I'm not talking about, you know, you're, you know, you're saved if you feel convicted, but I do think, you know, you're saved if you want to do something about your sin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if, if, if you're content to sit there and say, eh, I'll just ask for forgiveness, you're missing the point of the forgiveness. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Absolutely. There's no longer something to be forgiven for. Right. You, because it's just who you are. You've just cheapened God's grace on the cross. Yeah. Right. All right. Romans 6, 14 through 18 says this, for sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So what then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law, but <laughs> under grace? Far from it. Mm-hmm. Do you not know that the one to whom you present yourself as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of that same one whom you obey, mm-hmm. either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? Mm-hmm. But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were entrusted. And after being freed from sin, you became slaves to righteousness. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is where, like, this is like kind of where you, you have to, the legalism is the heart is the cart before the horse. Right. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. 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 It's this becoming a slave to righteousness to earn God's grace. Right. But what Peter or Paul is telling us here in Romans is you are, you can become a slave to righteousness because of God's grace. Right. And and that you should desire that. Right. 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 Um, so again, like you are not under the law, but under grace. And that's why sin can't be a master over you. Right. Well, it's the whole you use that example like the the guy that you went out door to door with back in the day that's like you, yeah. you you don't clean the fish before you catch them. Right. Like that's the that's the idea of grace. Is grace like look I'm going to fish, then I'll clean, but there's still clean. Like you're going to be cleaned. It's yeah. just when you're cleaned is important, <laughs> Exactly. you know? And I think that that's how the church has to look at it too. Cause as we accept riffraff quote unquote into our churches, a lot of us want to clean them. Mm-hmm. But I, I was actually talking to a pastor the other day and he, you know, he says the same thing I always say is like, my job isn't to clean fish. Like that's the Holy spirit's job. Yeah. My job is to, is to tell you, to show you how to clean and, give you the tools to clean, but I can't, I can't clean you. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think the the big thing here too, is that as we gain obedience to Christ, that is a marker that we've received his grace. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, we've kind of touched on this topic a little bit, but how do we as Christians provide grace? Sure. You know, so we've, we've talked a lot about God's grace for us. What about our grace for others? Um, So we can see something here. Galatians 6, 1 through 5 says, Brothers and sisters, even if a person is caught in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, Mm -hmm. each one looking to yourself so that you are not tempted as well. Mm. Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he declares he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then 
he will have reason for boasting, Mm -hmm. but not to himself alone and not to another, Mm -hmm. for each one will bear his own load. Right. So we have a responsibility to help people and to disciple each other together in unity. So like this is like this is grace and action in the body of Christ. Right. Right. We are to uh, so you have somebody who's caught wrongdoing. Right. What do you do? Do you kick them out? Right. Do you you know? Do you shame them? Do you no beat them with sticks? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, like what do sometimes. You do? sometimes. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are to spiritually restore a person right. in a spirit of gentleness. Right. Right. So that is that is the grace, right? Um, and it's, we're supposed to be careful not to fall into those sins on our, our own as we're helping that person through that. Right. And, to, and I also think when it says to look each to yourself, like I think we have to be careful. And a lot of times we think like, oh, like we don't like what what they're struggling with. We don't want to struggle with, but but sometimes their struggles can lead us to sin. Yeah. Whether it be creating roots of bitterness and resentment or jealousy or envy, it, yeah, it could be what they're struggling with too. But like I see a lot of times, like um, when you're offering grace in a church and you're giving God's grace, not your form of grace or the world's form of grace, but God's form of grace, and you're calling someone out and calling them up, but you're also loving them through it. I see a lot of times there there becomes a if it's a pattern right so the first time's easy most people are like oh yeah 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 um but there's a pattern and if you see they keep doing it and they keep doing it and they keep doing it. i see bitterness and resentment begin to form in the person and that's that whole how many times do i forgive jesus you know that whole mentality yeah. and i and i and then what i see happen is that bitterness and resentment which maybe not isn't a sin, it might be justified, right? You're frustrated, but then I see that leads to gossip, and then you know what I mean. Then it leads, it leads to sin, and so and so. I think when you know one of the things Paul's saying there is like we we have to be careful ourselves and our forgiveness, not to empower, right, mm-hmm. to empower sin, but also not to become so legalistic that we, you know, my biggest fear as a pastor, and and the fear is a strong word, but my my one thing I'm constantly thinking about is I never want to create a stumbling block in someone's faith, right. whether that be through my own action or whether that be through something I say or do. Um, that doesn't mean I can't call sin a sin, but it does mean I have to be cognizant of how I'm doing, you know, with gentleness. A spirit of gentleness, yeah. You know. Absolutely. So, well, here's the question. Let's say you're doing that. You're mm-hmm. saying, okay, um, you know, brother, I'm, I'm going to try to help you right. get back on track, right? Right. What if they don't care? What if they don't? Want to get back on track? Kick him out. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding, bro. Well, no. let's look at Matthew 18. Sure, sure. Matthew 18, 15 through 18 says, Now, if your brother sins, go and show him his fault mm-hmm. in private. Mm-hmm. This is part of that gentleness, aspect, yeah. right? If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Mm-hmm. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you so that on the testimony of two or three witnesses, every matter may be confirmed. And this mm-hmm. is kind of like an intervention at this right. point. And if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Mm -hmm. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, he is to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Right. Now, maybe it's because of the version that I'm reading here, but when it gets to the end, it doesn't actually say cast them out. No, no. Excommunication is not a thing. Right. Yeah. It's not. No. He's not telling them not to. You can't. Who Who are the Gentiles and the tax collectors in your church? They're they're quote unquote unsaved they're new the unsaved. people. Yeah. Right. They're so. 
So here's here's where I always go with this um, because I've, I, this is we this is the model we use when we have an issue, you know. Um, and when I, and this is the model we encourage. Like if you have an issue, go to your brother, not in church. <laughs> like go to your brother in private mm-hmm. and, and and say I got an issue. And if they say, oh my, because here's what I find most of the time. The issue is an accidental issue. It's a non-issue. It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know I was doing that. I'm so sorry. You know, sure. but if they, on the off chance that doesn't happen and they say, uh, I don't see an issue, you bring someone with you. Now, normally what I think this is usually someone who's involved with them in a certain way, whether it be a ministry leader or an elder per se, or, a, uh, you know, a leader of your church or, 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 you know, it could even be like, Hey, you know, he's on the worship team. I'm on the worship team. We got friction. I'm going to invite the worship pastor to come with me to talk to him about this. You know, I'm going to bring him in on it. Um, and then when it says expose them to the church, it, 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 th- this is where I think a lot of people, um, to the body. Okay. Ex- that means let people who are in charge, let the body know. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean blasted them up on the pulpit. Right. Cause it'd be weird for Jesus to say, do this in private and then suddenly make it very public. In the next you, you know, like it makes it, yeah. that, that would be almost contradictory. Um, but, but it means make the church aware and then let them become like a tax collector or a Gentile meaning here. And I was, I would tell you this, there is nothing that ruins a church more than someone in leadership or in a position of power and authority, or, I mean, even I'm talking, even a children's worker who is that person who refuses, who, you know, because they ruin the name of not just your church, but the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean you kick them out. Right. That means you strip them of that strip is a, a hard word because it sounds so mean and negative, but you, you say, so you can't be in these, you can't be serving. You can't be doing, you are just as, you are just as the new person on the, now you don't say, I've never once said, here's what I normally find. By the time we get to step three, where you're telling leaders in the church, this is going on and they're not repenting because usually what happens then, and this is where I'm at in this level, this is where the elders really come in in our church is when it reaches that level, when you have someone, let's say, let's just say you have a volunteer, I'll just make this you know, I'm sure this has happened before, um, you know, but this is generic. This is anybody. I'm not talking about right. it. Uh, right. Say you got someone and um, they're in your children's program and uh, they're out and they're getting hammered on Saturday nights and they're posting it all over their Facebook. And we know drunkenness is a sin. We know that. Yeah. So the ministry leader, or let's say you're the worker and you find out that they're doing this and you're like, did you see this? You go to them and you talk to them and you say, hey, hey, you know, I see you doing this and, you know, we... Uh, you know, that's, I know, you know, you know, you know, I know, you know, that it's, it's not right. Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, it's a, who, you know, okay. Then you go to the ministry leader and you say, Hey, you know, I don't know if you saw this on Facebook, but it's Facebook's usually where it comes out. You know, so this on Facebook. Um, and they're like, yeah, we need to talk to him. Can you come talk to, I've tried and they didn't. Okay. So now that, and then you take it up the ladder, you know, you run up the ladder and eventually you get to, to the elder level, which is now we're, now we're there. There's consequence. Mm-hmm. When you've reached when you've reached the church level, there, notice there's no consequence when you look at it. It's they don't listen to you. Bring someone else. That's the consequence. They don't listen to them. There's no consequence when you bring it to the church. Level, there is a consequence. Now yeah. they become like and so so I, I think we we misinterpret that because my my one of my mentors Brian he he always says I've never excommunicated anyone from my church. People have left, but I've never excommunicated anyone because. I find most of the time when it gets to that level, they're like, I don't, I don't want to be accountable. I don't, you know, it, it, it's that whole idea of it's, yeah. I'm continuing to sin, but I don't want to. So yeah. Yeah. I think we live in a day and age too, where it's easy for somebody to just leave 
Oh, it's so much easier. Go somewhere else, not where they'll be accepted, but where no one knows. Where, where, where they can do this whole process again. Yeah. A hundred percent. And this is where and this is where I want to encourage um, churches. You got to be careful here, right? Because I've had issues, and my rule of thumb is this. Because there's, I know pastors who will be like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out what church they go to, and I'm gonna call that church, and I'm gonna tell them what they did at our church, and I think to myself like, okay, that seems like ven- like vengeance is mine, you know, like that that seems that's like going a, a difference. That's a big step, you know what I mean? Okay, so that's a tough one because I think it, it again it has to come back to their motivations behind it. But as a pastor, I mean, have you ever had somebody come to your church? And like, because I've seen this in, other, in oh. some other smaller churches, and then you find out about it later, and you're like, "Well, it would have really been nice to have known this." You know, my rule of thumb is, I people don't. I I call I'll call their former pastor as their new pastor. Oh, okay. Like like if someone, for example, like when we have like when people are entering the ministry, like into like you know children's church, and we do background checks, we do things like that. But we also ask them like, "Did you go to any churches? Well, how was that?" Like you know, and it's and it's not because we're trying to like dig up dirt on them, but like for example, we we've had people who are like, "I want to do, I want to be in charge," and like here's where we really get OCD paranoid is like when you're dealing with vulnerable population so like children yeah. or you know or or special need you know those are the ones we really vet because yeah you know um but i i've totally called a pastor before and said hey so-and-so is looking to do this at our church what do you tell me about it and most of the time they're like oh yeah they're good we just went but some I, i've gotten one that was like yo that's there's a big red flag and so i kind of as a pastor personally that's how i operate like if a pastor called me and said, hey, yeah. I heard they came from your church. Can you tell me? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say, you know. Um, but it's not like you need to dog them everywhere they go. Well, because part of me wants to give them grace to say maybe. Maybe they'll figure it out at the next place. Maybe this is the, maybe it took this. This was the, this was the straw that finally broke the camel's back that they're like, I got to, I got to do something about this, you know. But I will say I do, we do have a rule. Like if. If something happens, and by the grace of God, it's never happened here. But if something, if if they're going, could potentially harm people. Mm-hmm. That's when we do. Like if we're like, hey, yo, they pulled a gun on this guy. Like you need to know that. Like, you know, like they, you know, or or they, uh, they're a registered sex offender. You know, something like that. Like we will, we would do that. But I never had that happen. Okay. You know, so um, I think it's yeah. Uh, though when we look back at this text too, though, like it, it clearly ends with the body looking at that individual as unsaved. Right, 100%. I think what this highlights for us is that the more we reject the grace that's provided, Mm -hmm. the closer we get to the judgment of God. For sure. Right, because we know that judgment's not a bad word. God God is bringing his judgment. That's what we're working towards. Yeah, it's it's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The thing that we understand, though, is that it's only by his grace that we are protected from his judgment. It's only by his grace that it hasn't happened. Right. Exactly. Like, well, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's why he he says, don't count God slow. Like, he's trying to give he's, everybody. He's patient. You know? Yeah. yeah. He's giving you an opportunity. Right. To get, to get under his grace. Right. Right. Um, and that's what we as a church should adapt, right? Yeah. That, as an attitude of grace, like, we should... We should give those opportunities to, to still, to still be just, to still hold to righteousness, to still hold to truth. But we should give those opportunities. I, I think, cause this is the other end is, is someone screws up once we yeah. can't overreact, especially even if it's a, if it's a, if it's a sin, you know what I mean? Like, like, Oh, they screwed up and they didn't show up when they were supposed to. Okay. That's, we can have a conversation, but like, you know what they, they, we did, we call them going out drinking and we, yeah. but there are loose, there are consequences. Again, there are consequences. 
You know what I mean? And I think that that's where we have to get, God is a God of consequence. And and so sin has consequences. And so, for example, um, let's say you have an affair, okay? We're not going to cut you out of the body, but there are consequences. We can't let you get up on stage on Sunday and sing in the worship team knowing that you're working through an affair. Well, that's because the message becomes we will let people who are having an affair. That's okay. Continue yeah, doing we're, this. We're affirming. We're, that's their what, exactly right. Now, that doesn't mean they can never. Right. But that means we have to work through a process of reconciliation, repentance. You know right. You know what I mean? And so um, I want to be clear on that because I think, like you said, a lot of people hear this grace word and they think, this is, no, I get to do what I want. Well, why, why are you kicking me off this team or why are you not letting me do this? It's not because I don't love you. It's because right. I, I actually do love you and love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, right? That's what Corinthians yeah. says. You well, know? I'm not going to let you be in a place that where my love for you and my grace for you allows you to hurt someone else. Cont- exactly right. You know, or, right. To, or to spread a wrong idea to someone else. Right. That's why you become like a tax collector or a Gentile. You don't, <laughs> we don't kick you out of the community. It just means you're, yeah. you're unsafe, you know? That's exactly right. <laughs> Yeah. Now, um, the one place that I always remember uh, churches I was at always giving a lot of grace to was the drummer. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that seriously, because as you know, it's difficult to get a good drummer in a church. And uh, and so like I, I on multiple occasions, I had pastors who were like, I know this guy's not saved. We're going to let him play the drums with the worship band because he's agreed to do it and he's willing to do it. And we're going to pray that this be the hit. Oh my gosh. I, I, you're, it's so, it's so true. And this is, and it's, I I found that it's not just the drummer. It's the things where they need the most help. Yeah. The churches tend to extend their grace there. And, and I work guilty of it too. You know, I mean, and it's always funny as like, you know, I work with the worship team and, and there's that fine line between grace and then people taking advantage of your grace. Right. Right. And so, you know, well, we were at our last practice and I even said like, okay, like we want everybody to be, we, we do these monthly practices. We want everybody to be here, but the goal is to record so we can practice during the week, you know? So if the person can't be there, do we then punish them and say, you can't be here at all? Or do you then extend grace to them? Right. Because this is the conversation we had. We didn't say those words, but that's what we were saying. Like this punishment is you missed this practice. Therefore, you're off the team for the whole month. That's kind of what we were operating under. We asked, do we give them grace? And, And if they come unprepared, then do we have the conversation you know, do we give them the opportunity? And I think that that's what God does, right? God constantly is giving us opportunities to show him we're sorry. And I don't mean that like as in guilt, but like sorry is a change of behavior, right? Like to show yeah. God, God, we're, we're, you know, we screwed up. Yeah. Give me another shot. Absolutely. You know, and God does. He does. That's that's why we can't earn it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why God's grace is great. Yeah. Any last thoughts on grace? No, I mean I'm 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 glad that this drummer on this track that we got here, he is dependable, you know. Well, I mean <laughs> define dependable. <laughs> Dude, you're gonna say that. I knew as soon as I said it. Gotta know your terms. Bro. We gotta have some grace here, yeah. yeah. <laughs>